0: I'll let's try this again. Welcome in to the Talking Tide Podcast on the Belly Up Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread, the sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News, joined by Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com. You can get the Talking Tide Podcast at Apple Podcasts or wherever you prefer to get your podcasts. We're also live on Facebook and YouTube. Find us on Twitter at talking underscore tide. Quick links to all of our podcasts right there on the Twitter feed. So give us likes, subscribes, and follows as necessary, and we'll keep you going right through this Alabama football season with twice-weekly podcasts uh, through football season. Travis, uh, a lot to get into in this edition of Talking Tide. Obviously, we'll begin with a a brief recap of Alabama's home win over Tennessee Chattanooga, 66-10, the final score, a runaway as expected. Big game for for Jalen milroe obviously, uh, he he was out of there and and just a half. And, you know, for Alabama, it was a, a chance to get as many players as you could on the field. It was a feel-good day of Ryan Denny.
1: It was. It was exactly what you hoped for. An engaged, connected team showed up focused and ready to go on senior day. And uh, good to see a lot of those seniors able to not only play, but do some really good things in the game. and. You're right. The passing game clicking really literally from the opening snap of Saturday's game with Milrow hooking up, which remained Burton on a deep ball. And uh, before you knew it, it was a 21 to nothing game. Had a couple of uh, a couple of breakdowns defensively for some explosive plays. But all in all, between the offense and playing three quarterbacks in the game, uh, the defense, although there wasn't a sack for that side of the football team in the game, UTC was obviously going to get the ball out pretty quick. I think that had something to do with it as well, but you were able to mix and match in some other areas too, because you might need some of these guys to be able to do that, you know, with Auburn and Georgia coming up. So an opportunity to get some different guys into some different spots in the secondary. Uh, And then of course, what we saw in the return game with Caleb Downs was one of the big pieces to that puzzle.
0: Yeah. Let's stay right there because that's something from the, Chattanooga game that relates to the Iron Bowl relates to what's upcoming for Alabama Kool-Aid McKinstry fields a punt inside the 10-yard line which already is a no-no for Nick Saban he likes to see him uh, bounce if they're going to go inside the 10 and uh, fumbles it from there we see Caleb Downs come in and a uh, big return from Downs obviously Travis so uh, interesting goings on at punt returner. You could, you could almost hear it in Saban's voice that he hated to replace him. He's such a Kool-Aid guy. Uh, there's, there's, there's no doubt that, that Kool-Aid is who Saban wants back there. Uh, but he saw what he saw he saw enough and Caleb Downs got his crack.
1: Yeah, it was probably the catching it first inside the five that Saban didn't like, but if you are going to do that, you damn well better not put it on the ground. And give Jam Miller a lot of credit for being heads up and getting on that football there. Uh, but I agree. I think Nick absolutely wants Kool-Aid to be the guy back there. Um, but he has certainly given him more than a few opportunities to kind of get things right. That hasn't happened of yet. Let me ask you this, though. Do you think there's a chance that Kool-Aid's still back there at Auburn this week? Or do you think that that ship has sailed now and it's Caleb Downs, especially after his performance? I just won't be surprised, Chase, if you get to next Saturday and
0: Auburn punts the football and there's number one back deep for right. the return. Right. Here this is my guess, right? I know <laughs> from, from what I've know of Saban, have learned over the years covering his program and whatnot, here's what I would expect in practice. I think Caleb Downs will get the most reps at punt return and practice this week. I think Downs will start as a punt returner in the Iron Bowl. I think I think that switch is uh is is gonna be made for, for the next game. However, but he said, dot dot dot. Caveat. I don't think Kool-Aid goes to the bottom of the of the depth chart here. I don't think Isaiah Bond is getting the second most reps in practice this week. I think that'll be Kool-Aid. Because if they go with Downs and then there's a reason to pull Downs, whether it be he, he tweaks a hamstring or fumbles one himself or whatever the case may be, I think Kool-Aid would be the guy that goes back in there before they put a third guy in.
1: Yeah, I can see that scenario too. And again, with the way that Downs handled it, once he got the opportunity, kind of hard to go back right to kool the next game right uh, because this, this has been a culmination of things this wasn't just a, a mistake or two uh that that preceded the fumble uh this goes back a while so nick can go to bed and, and sleep easy knowing that he's given kool uh more than just one or two chances to get things right
0: i wonder if somebody should circle back and ask nick if he's really sure about that gunner contact on that kool <laughs> Well, that right
1: there told you how much he wanted it to work with Kool-Aid, because if you saw it on the broadcast or you saw it on the replay, Trey Amos could have done a better job on that Kentucky Gunner, but it wasn't Trey Amos that ran into Kool-Aid McKinstry. It was a demon or something.
0: Also relevant, certainly, to the UTC game was the guys who weren't a go, and we'll see if they're a go for the Iron Bowl, Travis, but no Deontay Lawson, obviously a big part of that Alabama defense at the linebacker position, no Jalen Key, no Ja'Cory Brooks either, who hadn't played much for wide receiver at all, but he has played a good bit of special teams and done well in that role. So uh, your thoughts on those three and Alabama's uh, efforts, I guess, to try to get them back on the field for the Iron Bowl. I, to me, anyway, I, I think there's a good chance we'll see at least two of those guys. Yeah, primarily,
1: I think it's Deontay that you really want to get back in the middle of that defense and in those inside linebacker positions with Jahad Campbell. Uh, you saw the 40-yard touchdown run uh, for Chattanooga there in the second quarter. And I'm not saying that was all on the inside linebackers, but one of them wasn't really uh, in position there to the play side in Tresman Marshall. The other one got blocked by the center. You had some other issues on that play. You just didn't fit that run at all. I mean, from the snap there was a lane down the left side uh, of the, the Tennessee Chattanooga offense. So, um, and, and that goes back too, to, to having that guy that can make the calls and the checks and make sure you're in the right fronts and you're in the right positions pre-snap so that you don't find yourself in those spots.
0: Also, I uh, want to touch on the Ty Simpson mishap. Travis on the long run, that should have been a touchdown run. 78 yards in the books. Should have been a 79-yard score. He lets the ball go. And my – you know, people – I heard a little bit of debate about the, the, you know, on the replay. Did he cross? Did he not cross? I thought he dropped it early. I, I thought it he was no. a foot maybe before the, the plane, before he, he he let it go. But certainly way, way too close for for Nick Saban. And you know what? We I saw this happen. We've seen this happen before. It's not nearly the first time. It's the first time I can ever remember it happening in an Alabama game, at least off the top of my head. I saw it just last week in a bigger game on a bigger stage. I forget exactly what the matchup was, but I've always seen that in other games and thought, man, if that ever happened, that Alabama Nick Saban would uh, blow, go off like a Roman candle. Uh, but he didn't, uh, He at least on the sideline. And he, now, it might have been different in meetings or whatever, but on the sideline, uh, talking to Simpson, I thought he, he looked pretty reserved to me. I think it was Washington and maybe Utah
1: that that happened. Yes, like a yes. Couple weeks ago, and more Clayton, right? Yeah. I know someone in my immediate circle who maybe had Washington laying the points, or maybe it was the other way. I forget. Oof. I forget who dropped the ball early. Which Oof. team it was? Whichever team dropped Oof. the ball early, my uh, my pal, my good friend, uh, had it that way as far Jeez. as the points were concerned. he kind of felt that he felt that, that bad beat there <laughs> at the end of the game, but you're right. It's, it's not something that's exclusive to one player every year. It, it happens more often than not. And you, you would think that there's no way it would happen because all these players see these plays where it happens. Uh, but I guess you're just kind of, I, I wouldn't know. I've never in that situation, Chase, in my playing days where I had to, to worry about not giving the ball up too early, <laughs> crossing. I'm the surprised goal line. too, Jack. Jack yeah. Cullen
0: weighing in. Surprised Saban didn't blow his. Yeah, time. you he know, he watching, did behind the scenes, right? Yeah,
1: watching in, Saban with Ty over there on the sideline, like, you kind of kept waiting for it, but uh, at least, like you said, Chase, while the cameras were on, yeah, kept it pretty composed over there.
0: No doubt about it. All right, Travis Auburn up next. We'll be taking a longer look at the Tigers with the midweek podcast. Uh, Previewing the Iron Bowl, but obviously Alabama turns their attention to a road game. Dangerous place to play. Auburn, obviously, uh, coming off that disastrous game against New Mexico State, Travis. I just, I do not know what to make of that. Hard to imagine Auburn was looking ahead in that game, uh, but uh, maybe they were.
1: Eight and three, New Mexico State team, you know, coming into that game. So you would think they had the Tigers' attention, but, you know, that wasn't a fluke either. Yesterday, uh, Jordan Hair. So, uh, I don't know if that's a good thing for Alabama. I would think it's going to be an even more motivated Auburn team. But I think it also underscored that look. At the end of the day, this Auburn team's not very good. No, I mean we can talk about you know the shocking upset, maybe the worst loss in Auburn history. I don't know about that because frankly, I, I just don't. This isn't a great Auburn team. So to lose to an eight and three New Mexico State. That's not as surprising to say a few years back when New Mexico State was, you know, one in eleven or something
0: like that. Yeah, Auburn's got tons of problems offensively. Defensively, they hold it together here and there, right? They're not bad on that side of the ball. They got some athletes for sure, but offensively, it's uh, it's been a mess pretty much from top to bottom. Um, Hugh Freeze hit the portal pretty hard and d- came up empty with some of those portal moves, Travis, uh, offensively especially. I think that certainly has played a role, and uh, it's uh, it's cost them. But uh, more, of course, on the Iron Bowl a little bit later in the week. Travis, uh, college football playoff talk. Uh, it's been a little early to talk about Alabama's position in the race the last couple of weeks, so you and I haven't even touched on it. It's probably not too late now with two weeks left to go in the regular season. Alabama's still sitting there at eight. They've been stuck at eight ever since the CFP rankings have come out. Uh, and of course, people are looking ahead, trying to figure out what it would take for Alabama uh, to jump into the playoff. Obviously, slaying a dragon like Georgia would be the biggest possible, best possible last impression any team could make on the selection committee. At the same time, uh, you're looking at a lot of undefeateds, and then one one loss that's already knocked Alabama off head to head ahead of them.
1: You are there's still a lot of traffic, and the last couple of weekends it looked like in some spots that Alabama might get some help. You know whether it was Texas a couple of weeks ago at home against Kansas State uh, last night. I picked Oregon State to knock off Washington. Washington, to its credit, got the job done. And it's just kind of I a weird. Kind of a yeah, kind of a weird um, process to this point because it's like it's like Alabama's being penalized pretty severely for a loss to a team that's ahead of it, but the team that beat Alabama isn't really being rewarded all that much. It seems like for that win over Alabama, because Texas still sits there, what at seven right. it's behind Oregon. When you look at Oregon's resume, yep. right, uh, it's not much. So. It, to me, Texas probably should be six or so, Alabama seven, Oregon eight. That's kind of where it's at. I keep telling people, though, it'll play itself out, it'll work itself out. You know, if you're Alabama and you run the table, you go 12 and one uh, and beat Georgia, who if you can look at Georgia right now, especially for most of that game against Tennessee yesterday, and say, Oh, yeah, yeah, this is the year Michigan or an Ohio State gets over the hump against Don't Georgia. See it. Yeah, I don't see it at all. I think we're looking at football right uh, now. Here's the way you should view it if you're an Alabama fan. You're in the playoff. It's just that you got to play essentially a championship game matchup in the quarterfinals Mm. in Atlanta. That's that's the playoff for Alabama. And if you win that game and they don't let you advance in on into the four,
0: yeah. I don't I don't know what to tell you. You can almost say they've been in a, in a, in a playoff ever since they lost yeah. Texas, right? Because that second loss knocks you out. Yeah. For so, sure. uh, well, no and I think that's
1: part. I think that I've said this before. I think that's part of the problem with Alabama's perception is that you know Texas one by ten, and not even so much that game, but the next week how bad Alabama looked, mm-hmm. and it's like people haven't circled back to kind of revisit this Alabama team, or the expectation has just been. You know, this team may not win 10 games. How much did you hear that at the end of right. September? This team may not win 10 games. What did they do Saturday? They won their 10th game before the Iron Bowl. They didn't They didn't do it in a bowl game. You know, they didn't do it against Auburn. They did it before Auburn. They won 10 games. So it just feels like a team people just are, some people anyway, just kind of lost track of.
0: Three games, excuse me, three schools to keep an eye on as this thing plays out, and I'm talking about three teams in front of Alabama who I think uh, could uh, could offer Alabama the most help with a loss would be Texas, obviously, Florida State, and Washington, right? Because Michigan, Ohio State, winner is going to be right there. Georgia takes care of itself if you're Alabama; they beat you or they don't. Beyond that, you look at what's left for those three teams I just mentioned. Well. Washington's got Washington State at home. They should take care of business certainly in that one. Then they might be looking at Oregon in the Pac-12 game, which is a whole, which, which be a real interesting one. They've already played, of course, and, and Washington took them down in a close game. Uh, Florida State at Florida minus Jordan Travis now. Then yeah, taking what you, on What Louisville. do you do with Florida
1: State regardless without Jordan Travis? Right. Um, yep. That factor that part of it, and that you know, I mean.
0: I don't think it's. Even I don't if, think Jordan Travis if, factors
1: in if they keep winning. But I, I think it. I, I know they could go undefeated without him at this point. I mean, Florida's probably not going to have Graham Mertz this week. Mm-hmm. You know, that That's could right. be a backup bowl in Gainesville. <laughs> so, yeah, great. You beat a Graham Mertzless Florida team on the road with your backup. Then if you get through the ACC championship game, I mean, really, how competitive is Florida State from that perspective? Florida State's got some people now. Other than the quarterback position, I'm not saying that. I get it, uh, but that's a major blow to the
0: Seminoles. I don't think it's a it's a like huge that. blow to, to me. It's a much bigger blow if they if they catch a loss. If they catch a loss, I think they're out. If they catch a loss, they're done. Yeah, gonna be hard. Gonna be hard though to turn any team away that ain't got. I understand. That got loss. I know. I know. So. And then finally, Texas, they're taking on Texas Tech this weekend. That one is in Austin. And then they'll probably get OU or Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship game. So there you have a few to to pay attention to. Yeah, you know, Texas,
1: I, I get that too. It's hard to argue with that if Alabama and Texas both have one loss. And especially if Texas avenges that one lost Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game, and it still has the win over Alabama, that's a tough spot to be in if you're the Crimson Tide. Um, but I'll, I'll say it. I think right now there are two teams in the country that no one wants to play, and that's Georgia and Alabama. Those are the top two teams. If I'm some other fan of some other team that I look at and go, man, I hope we don't see them in the semis right. or the championship game. Um, But it could be that one or both. I mean, if Alabama beats Georgia, you're really just going to have a CFP without a one-loss SEC champ after two decades of dominance? I mean, come on. Really?
0: I guess. You know, like you said. Do you think the TV man's going to like that, by the way? No, no, no. How much is the TV man going to like that? No, he won't. He he wouldn't like it a bit. I'll say this. The – You know, like there's a lot of ball left to be played. You made the point. It'll sort itself out. Um, But at least at this point, it looks to me like the committee might be facing some of their toughest calls ever this year. They could. And it's perfect timing before you go to 12. Right. Because really, you
1: haven't needed 12 to this point to get a true representation of a top four in a playoff you haven't needed it we're doing this because of television and cash that's why we're doing it (laughs) but it's perfect timing because it very well may finally play out that you needed more than four really
0: to get this thing sorted out nikki would say all about the dollars (laughs) all about the dollars nikki would say at casino thought i was taken i was (laughs) given All right, the Talking Tide podcast on the Belly Up Podcast Network. <laughs> yeah, Frankie with the Frankie with the point. Loved it, fantastic. <laughs> on the Belly Up Podcast Network, we're going to thank a couple of sponsors right now, really quickly. Going to start by telling you all about Heat Pizza Bar and that fantastic Zod down in downtown Tuscaloosa. Great spot for you and your family if you're looking for great food, super atmosphere, flat screen TVs all over the walls with all the latest and best sports games going on. Of course, they got a full bar and the best pizza around. Get the standard. I love that standard. It's one of the signature pizzas over at Heat Pizza Bar. They've got a great pepperoni, a Thai chicken pizza that will knock you flat as well. Uh, Standard, house red sauce, pepperoni, Italian sausage, green peppers, sweet onion, and mozzarella on that standard. you got to give that one a try. Great daily specials as well, and, of course, drink specials going on throughout the day so the next time you and your family are in the mood for some great pizza head on over to heat pizza bar at Sixth street downtown government
1: square i'm going to tell you about peterbrook chocolatier out there at 1530 mcfarland boulevard north in the indian hill section of tuscaloosa a great follow on facebook and instagram if you haven't followed peterbrook chocolatier of tuscaloosa on those social media outlets You should do that because they do a great job of keeping you updated on specials and events like the open houses that they're having during the holiday season. You know what else we're getting into, Good Bread? We're getting into peppermint bark season. Love it. Absolute personal favorite. I know you're a fan of the white chocolate, so it's right up your alley anyway. But all kinds of great holiday goodies waiting for you right now at Peterbrook Chocolatier 1530. McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of
0: Tuscaloosa. All right. The Talking Tide Podcast on the Belly Up Podcast Network. A uh, few more minutes to go here in the program. We'll talk some SEC football to close things out. We'll hit that tumbler one more time, and then we'll get out of here. We've already touched on New Mexico State's stunning upset of Auburn 31-10. to The final score there, Travis. Georgia rolls over Tennessee 38-10. to uh, That one not close Georgia's just—it's like they beat every. Lately, it's like they're beating everybody. Not only they're beating everybody's brains in, but it's like this slow grind where they're going to beat you by seven in the first quarter, and then seven or ten in the second quarter. I mean, I mean, it's just—it's—it's uh, it's like it's they're that, not even playing a bad quarter anymore.
1: It's Alabama like. I mean, that's yeah. what we saw. We've seen for so many years from Nick Saban. Georgia's doing a better Alabama than Alabama does. Alabama, right now, not by a lot, not by a lot. And I'm not kind of hedging or revealing my pick for the SEC championship game because I think these two teams are going to be that close. Uh, But that's essentially what it is it's methodical. And oh boy, the home team gets off to the early start, kind of like Ole Miss. Remember, in what Mm -hmm. was it, 2018? Ole Miss hit the deep ball. It may have been AJ Green or uh, maybe Metcalf. Remember the deep ball. Uh, from Jordan Tamu, and it's seven, nothing in Oxford in prime yeah. time. And boy, what was that final score? And like 63 to seven or something, right. ultimately that
0: is exactly what it reminds me of. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. Uh, Georgia's they're playing their best football for sure. I, I still, and I, I mentioned this once or twice, I think the healthy combination of Bowers and McConkey takes that offense to another level. And, and that's, you
1: know, they've added Dom Lovett and Ra Ra Thomas and Amarius Mims at the tackle position is back and healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're right. And we did see Bowers, it looked like tweak that ankle maybe a little bit at Tennessee, but he's going to be good to go.
0: You know that he'll be ready. Yep. All right. Uh, Missouri knocking off Florida 33 to 31. Late field goal by that big uh, stout kicker they got up in Davis. Columbia. Disappointing game for the Gators. They fought hard in this one. I thought they were out of it, and they made a run late to get back on top, Travis. But uh, it's been a rough go for Billy Napier. Florida reminds me
1: of 2004 and 2006 Alabama. You know, get right there and get into some of these situations, like fourth and 17 against Missouri last night. And I know a lot of Florida fans, and I know where they're at with this team right now that I don't think any of them were surprised when uh when Missouri converted that and ultimately went down and was able to kick the game winner so it's just tough and then you lose Graham Mertz uh it could be an o. It it's
0: probably going to be an O for November for Billy Napier's team probably so probably so I do th- I do think that at home with nothing left to do but I guess they're bowl eligible if they beat Florida State aren't they yeah. They, they still need a sixth win, but so that, yeah, that's on the line for Florida. They got the arch rivals coming in with national championship hopes. It, 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 uh, there's probably been an iron bolt or two where, where Auburn's been at home and, and hell look at, uh, I guess, was it 2009 when, uh, Alabama went down there yeah. and, and, uh, snatched one from them in the last minute for, you know, and, and that was their national championship year. So, a lot of reasons to be motivated if you're Florida for uh, for this particular game. And Jordan Travis's absence obviously uh, could play a big role in it. But just man for man, I don't know if Florida matches up. No, they're not
1: there yet, especially on defense. I think they've got some issues on their off. They've had issues on that offensive line. But I think they even have some injuries now that they're trying to deal with. And I don't know if they're going to have Graham Mertz. You know, it looked like a shoulder, clavicle-type clavicle type type deal thing, for him. yeah. Um, the backup came in and did okay, but had a turnover in the red zone. That was extremely harmful. Um, so yeah, if it, if it comes down to the quarterback play being a wash, I agree with you. I think Florida
0: state's just uh better in, in every other area. All right. We're going to jump in that two deep tumbler real quick and we're going to get out of here on talking tide. We'll see who, uh, comes out. Getting lonely in that tumbler. It's getting lonely. Just got one left in the tumbler. Yeah. Just one left. Yeah who comes out today it's 3 a.m i must be lonely <laughs> number 11 malik benson travis comes out of the magic benton i mean <laughs> malik benson comes out of the uh hopper Forest uh timely i suppose because he picked up a touchdown pass yeah. in this recent win over tennessee chattanooga uh your thoughts on his contributions as a as a first-year transfer. Yeah, coming in from
1: the JUCO ranks as the number one overall junior college prospect for the 2023 cycle, I didn't think at this point I'd be talking about him in terms of his blocking ability, but to his credit, whereas he hasn't been prolific as far as pass receptions or touchdowns, and that's why it was really cool to see him get in the end zone yesterday because – Seems like more and more when you watch Alabama games, number 11 shows up in the, on the perimeter downfield uh, and making some good blocks. And uh, certainly the effort has been there from Malik Benson from that regard.
0: Seems to run a lot of his routes over the middle of the field too. So there's some there's some toughness that goes along with that too. There is. And,
1: you know, look, he's around for another year. Uh, you have some guys that maybe move on. Uh, He becomes a little better acclimated with Alabama's offense and just sort of football at the SEC level. I I think he's still got the potential in him to be a 30-40 catch type guy. Uh, It's just that he stepped into a situation with Burton coming back. Bond and Prentice elevated their games. Um, Alabama's got a a litany of, of capable receivers
0: hard to believe we're saying that too after last year cuz that's not what you would have said about this receiving core a year ago and it's it's pretty other than other than Benson, it's not too much different than what it was a year ago that's a byproduct of why you do that you go to the junior
1: college ranks and get arguably the best guy right uh, you go to the transfer portal if you need to it's not just that you're going to elevate that position with that player you're going to kind of send that message to the other guys you guys have to step it up and uh, I'll say this. I think Alabama's receivers, especially in the first half of the season, helped lift Jalen Milrow's play. And mm-hmm. the good thing for Alabama is now you're seeing Milroe actually lift the play of others, which was
0: obviously the goal all along. No doubt about it. All right, that is going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Be sure to join us later in the week when we preview the Iron Bowl. Until then, for Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com, I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News, and we'll talk to you next time right here on Talking Tide.